You are listening to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. This is your faithful editor and host, Michael Lichens, here with a very familiar guest to all of you, Kathleen Beckman. She has written for Catholic Exchange for years, published three books, has been a guest on this very podcast, and we're going to be talking about When Women Pray, her latest book that she co-wrote with 11 Catholic women on the power of prayer. Kathleen's also the founder of the Foundation of Prayer for Priests, which you should absolutely check out that website, as well as our show on Radio Maria. And so, Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us on the Catholic Exchange Podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Michael. I'm delighted to be with you. Oh, it's our delight as well. Uh, so, to begin, I need to ask, uh, what brought this idea together to bring all these Catholic women writers to talk about women praying? Well, like uh, most of my inspirations, it came during my daily Eucharistic adoration time with the Lord, and I was pondering the scripture, Matthew 25, 1 through 13, of course, the, the parable of the ten virgins. And as I was thinking about that, I just became mindful of, you know, the whole history of and tradition of the church mm-hmm. and uh, women of prayer. And of course, that uh, beautiful parable points out uh, the distinction between the foolish ones who weren't prepared for the bridegroom and the five wise virgins that um, had the oil in their lamps and were prepared for the Lord. And as I started thinking about the rich tradition that our church has of women who have been praying, starting with Our Lady, um, and uh, I just thought, you know, it would be really beautiful uh, to consider the prayer lives of some of the busiest women in the Catholic Church and who I happen to know because I've been doing ministry for about 25 years. So when you get to be my age, you have a lot of friends in the church. And um, uh, <laughs> and um, I thought, you know, let me run this by Charlie McKenney and see if it's really something he'd be interested in doing. And uh, Charlie has is so magnanimous of Sophia uh, Institute uh, Press, as you know, and I, he loved the idea. And so I went about asking some of the busiest women in the church who had very public lives. I invited them. I didn't think that most of them would say yes because they are very busy. But the reason I chose these women was that I wanted to present women that have apostolates that are very visible in the church and well-respected, and have this visibility as being very active. But what I invited them to do was write about their contemplative life. What is the foundation for all of this activity and the apostolate that they have? And so there was no one more surprised and delighted than me when, you know, I received so many positive responses from these women. And there are some great writers, of course, here. Pia D. Salini, uh, Lisa Henley, Rhonda Chevron, you're a great friend, Jeanette. Uh, yes. Some really great authors in here. Yeah, Joan Lewis, Dr. Rhonda Shervin, yes. Catherine Jean Lopez, you know, Marilyn Quirk is the foundress of Magnificat, Vicki Thorne, the foundress of Project Rachel, and Kelly Walchrist, the foundress of uh, Women in the New Evangelization. So, you know, People, readers usually are familiar with what the women do, but I really ask them to write about what is the catalyst for their, for their zeal for the apostolate. And of course, that is prayer, which is foundational. Of course, very, very busy people, women here, all of you. What is, 
what allows you all? This is something that still baffles me as a single man. How do you all have, find the time and really the push and the endurance to pray every day? Well, because, because I can't manufacture uh, faith, hope, and love, and I can't manufacture zeal for any apostolate. <laughs> and so <laughs> I have to uh, receive so that I can give. And so um, I think that what the book uh, really presents to readers um, is that we are women who love the Lord. Uh, we love the Lord, and we're in relationship with the Lord, and that relationship is foremost in our day-to-day life. And we put Him first, and uh, prayer and time spent with the Lord um, is so important. Um, and from there grows the apostolate. So I think um, you know the, the in, uh, preface or introduction is written by. Uh, Sister Regina Marie Gorman from the, she's the Vicar General of the Carmelite Sisters of the Most Sacred Heart in Los Angeles. And, you know, she wrote a beautiful foreword about how this persistent longing um, was embedded, you know, for God is embedded in our DNA, the moment that we are conceived because we are made in love, by love, and for love. And so, you know, I think that it's the, the answer to your question is that, you know, when you love the Lord, and he is the most important thing in your life, person in your life. Um, he comes first. And out of that, uh, there comes, out of receiving from him that daily relationship of love, then comes forth the flowering of the gift of service in the church. And while that all makes perfect sense to me, I have to admit, still is a challenge for for many of us to find. But it's clearly borne some great spiritual fruit. Uh, with this book, I, I know you've just completed a retreat with this book. How do other women receive some of the words in here? You know what I think, what sort of has really surprised me, I'm glad you asked that, mm-hmm. is that people appreciate the 11 different uh, views and ways. Yes. Um, they're very diversified um, in this uh, book. So every chapter is very unique. And what is so interesting is that I really put this uh, in the hands of the Holy Spirit. When I invited each writer to uh, present a chapter about their prayer life, I did not give them any more than that. I did not ask them to write on any particular thing because I just wanted them to write about the way they pray. And so the diversity that is here, you know, I was surprised. I was the only one that wrote about Mary. I mean, Mary is mentioned in all the chapters, but I really focused on Mary's uh, heart and the way Mary, the Marian heart prays. Um, Johnette Binkovic uh, focused on the transforming power of prayer. Um, Dr. Rhonda Shervin, her testimony is there, um, you know, from uh, just her conversion to the church and the sigh of the heart. Uh, Dr. Uh, Pia DiSoleni wrote about prayer with sisters in Christ. And Dr. Mary Healy um, gives a wonderful treatment of prayer with the Holy Spirit. And uh, Lisa praying with the saints. And Joan Lewis, heart to heart with the Lord. Um, I love Catherine Jean Lopez's contribution. Um, Pope Benedict XVI and uh, women who pray in love. Marilyn Quirk talks about the relationship with the living Lord. And Vicki Thorne, uh, my ear to his heart. And you really hear um, how she responded to the 
the need of women who were post-abortive. And then uh, Kelly's uh, Just Pray, the simplicity of the rosary prayer. So there's something for everybody. Um, you know, uh, for example, Joan Lewis, you know, she talks about how because of her close proximity to, you know, she's the Vatican correspondent for EWTN, and her close proximity to the Vatican, she's been able to be at private masses for the Holy Fathers. And she talks about in her chapter how she would frequently, um, or I shouldn't say frequently, but when she went to to have, to be present at the mass that Pope John Paul II, now Saint John Paul II was celebrating, that when she got to his private chapel, it was obvious that he was he was on the kneeler before mass and that it was obvious that he was in deep mystical prayer and she said and i i think all of us can relate to that that she began to think well i i can't pray like that how does a person enter into that deep mystical prayer and you know and so she started to kind of lament that you know Joan Lewis isn't able to pray as a St. John Paul II or a Teresa of Avila or Catherine of Siena. And, um, you know, the Lord said, Joan, just pray, just inspired her. Joan, just pray as Joan, because that's what pleases the Lord. And so she said, she goes on to say how she's in constant communion with the Lord through praying for a bus, you know, praying on the bus and catching the bus in Rome and just the way her day-to-day goes, unfolds in the presence of the Lord in these, thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day in Rome, you know, and I think it's a very practical lesson for all of us. There's also a very hidden practical lesson that I you shine so much through this book, which is to have examples of holy people that you can emulate but not get bogged down that you're not at their level just yet which right. is very easy to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think that each writer did a really wonderful job of um, just explaining their struggles and their perseverance in prayer. Um, you know, what they learned through just mistakes. And, I mean, I share in my chapter about how there was a time when I didn't pray. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was busy about many things when we were first married, and there was a time when I just kind of put the Lord and my relationship with Him and prayer on the shelf. It was just, uh, uh, I was focused on other things. And so I talk about how He brings me back to a place of prayer. And, you know, in my situation, it was through the cross, and sometimes many people relate to that, um, that He allows us to come to our knees, and uh, and it resurrected my relationship with Him. And um, so there's a lot of practical advice in the book. Um, because uh, it, it addresses prayer and then perseverance and being prepared like the wise virgins, you know, always having that oil in the lamp. You talk about, uh, you briefly touched on praying through struggling. What has been some lessons you've seen in this book or in your own prayer life on what it means to pray while you're in the midst of suffering or just a really hard struggle with your faith? I discovered a quote from Pope Benedict XVI when I was researching this book for, on my chapter about the prayer of the broken heart. And I talk about how um, that prayer is uh, of the broken heart. It seems to me that in the pierced heart, I should say, the quote from um, Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger goes like this, in the pierced heart of the crucified, God's own heart is opened up. 
Here we see who God is and what he is like. Heaven is no longer locked up. God has stepped out of his hiddenness. And so when our hearts are pierced, you know, it we are opened up. And we face our poverty and we step out of our hiddenness because we become very needy. And mm-hmm. we come before the Lord, you know, Michael, with this hole in our heart. And the divine phys- physician attends to the wounded heart with tenderness. So, you know, it made me reflect on when Mary's heart was pierced. And remember, Simeon had foretold that. And he said, you know, your heart will be pierced that the thoughts um, out of many hearts may be revealed. And so to me, I concluded that the pierced heart can be a portal of grace if we remain open to that divine transformation. So I think that, um, you know, when our hearts are pierced and there's that hole in our heart and we unite the pierced heart of Jesus and the pierced heart of Mary, there's something really beautiful and deep that's going on about transformation. And um, I think that that's when our prayer is most pleasing to the Lord and also probably most efficacious for the salvation of souls. That's wonderful words there. So much so I had to keep writing everything down. <laughs> it's on chapter 13, I mean, page 13 and 14 of the book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, and we published that excerpt on Catholic Exchange, which everyone should absolutely go look out. I'll put those links online. But going back just to the idea of when women pray, uh, we touched on it briefly, but is there a history of women supporting the church or as a ministry and praying together or praying for the church and priests? Well, priests specifically, well, you know you know what I'm going to yes. say. No. <laughs> Thank you for setting me up. But yes, um, I talk about spiritual motherhood, you know, how could I not in my chapter? Mm-hmm. And I talk about, you know, the whole history of, um, I, I was always and am always touched by a message that, um, <clears throat> that Edith Stein gave to women. And um, uh, she talks about the intrinsic value of woman uh, consisting essentially in the exceptional receptivity for God's work in the soul. And then she said, um, for an understanding of our unique feminine nature, let us look to the pure love and the spiritual maternity of Mary. And this is really what I would hope every woman would, would just hold on to. The spiritual maternity is the core of a woman's soul. Whenever a woman functions authentically in this spirit of maternal pure love, Mary collaborates with her. And this holds true whether the woman is married or single, professional or domestic or both, a religious in the world or in the convent. And through this love, a woman is God's special weapon in his fight against evil. And so, you know, we have to consider Mary as the new Eve, and we realize that every woman who has chosen to imitate Mary in her way of virtue and love of the Lord and service of the church is helping uh, humanity in ways uh, that they probably have no idea, but it's real. Um, It's a real service to the salvation of souls when um, a woman is able to be a woman of prayer. Something I always love to ask authors what was one of the most surprising or delightful things you learned while writing or compiling this book? Well, one of them was the discovery of that Pope Benedict. Uh, yes. Uh, um, quote, I loved that, the prayer of the broken, of the pierced heart, the prayer of the uh, pierced heart. Um, I, I also uh, just appreciated um, 
I don't know. I appreciated the diversity of the mm-hmm. way that when I each chapter came in uh, to me, and I was editing, uh, and I did very little editing um, because they they were all such accomplished writers. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I they were like a surprise to me. I, I would receive the their chapter, and when I would read it, I would just praise God for um, the diversity of the way that he works in our in each particular soul. Um, there's some continuity in that there's uh, there's love and there's perseverance, but um, it's really beautiful for me to realize that God is at work in a variety of ways, um, very particular to each soul that he's in the details of the life of each and every person. And so I think that um, it brought me great joy to read, uh, you know, the prayer experiences of these uh, 10 women that contributed to the book. And I think it's been so well received by other women because, say, they don't really relate to my chapter, but they relate to Dr. Mondeshervin's chapter, you know? So there's something in there for every person. And so it was kind of a surprise for me to see the way um, this tapestry all came together into something beautiful. And you touched on it again, and we've talked about it here. You emphasize gratitude quite a bit. Can you just uh, briefly touch on it and tell us why is gratitude so important to our prayer lives? Well, you know, it's very Eucharistic. I mean, that's what... Oh, yes. Um, you, yeah, yeah. And, um, and my spirituality is very Eucharistic. But the gratitude is something that I believe is foundational for the renewal of our mind. Especially in, uh, I live in a, an affluent part of uh, Orange County, mm-hmm. and um, there can be a very um, kind of a sense of um, uh, entitlement and yes. uh, other other trappings of, of that kind of an environment. And I think um, gratitude. Uh, you know, we just finished Lent. And gratitude for the passion of Christ, for the gift of salvation, for the gift of life, it changes everything. In fact, there was a recent article that I thought was um, really quite wonderful that touched on the scientific uh, aspects of gratitude in the brain and uh, how it helps us to, it it actually does something, you know, obviously I'm paraphrasing, uh, to rewire the brain. And so Dr. Mary Healy, talks about this in her chapter about um, how she uh, uses the power of gratitude, the power of praise. You know, when she first went in, you know, in prayer, she said when she first went to the University of Steubenville, you know, she had the best intentions when they, she was going to these all-night adoration events that the students would go to. And she was so, she, she believed that she would be able to stay up all night long in adoration and, um, you know, praise the Lord. And she said within an hour or less, she was looking at her watch and she realized that she was not going to make it through nocturnal adoration after all. And um, she ended up going back to her dorm. I mean, many of us can relate to that, right? Yes, yes we're going to stay here all night and pray. And then, oh, I'm falling asleep. You know, she talks about how when she got back to the dorm that she realized her communion with the Lord would continue. And she began to, instead of being uh, disappointed or, or anything, she began to just thank the Lord. And she says in her chapter that praise is really something that is, um, many people don't realize the power of praise. I've seen it personally 
praise is very effective in spiritual warfare. And that's the ministry that I am involved in in my diocese. And in spiritual warfare, I really believe, like even in the in the middle of an exorcism, um, when there is that expulsion of the evil spirits, it seems to me what I observe is that the power of prayer and the power of praise and the power of the love of the team and the priest all surrounding this soul who really wants to be free of the diabolical you know, grasp on him, it, that demons would rather flee than be in that environment. That's what my experience is. And so it's very powerful to practice the, the prayer of gratitude, of course, you know, that you, it's very Eucharistic, um, the power of praising and thanking the Lord, um, you know, whether, whether we feel like it or not, but just to do it. I have trained myself so that now it's a habit. If something comes into my life, uh, say in the family, that seems really difficult and, you know, it's, I'm mystified and it hurts and I don't see, you know, how this is going to be fixed. I begin to praise the Lord and thank him and say, Lord, nothing can happen without at least your permissive will. Therefore, I want to thank you right now for what you are going to do in and through this situation. And I want to thank you that you were going to carry us through like you've always carried us through. And I want to thank you that through this, it's not a futile exercise, but it's an exercise in um, unity with you and identification with you. So thank you for the transformation that will come out of this. And it's been very powerful. Yeah, it is very powerful. I see it in my own life. It's always that, as I tell a lot of people, in many ways, it's like exercise. Starting is always the hardest part. But once you do, you're going to feel the benefits. You're going to see them. But within my own life, I know like just remembering to thank God for the ability to have to have work and work that i enjoy and things like that and just having that everyday gratitude helps to put a lot of things in perspective and keep you on the path so i fully endorse everything kathleen just said to all the listeners who are wondering yes i do (laughs) (laughs) thank you michael (laughs) and of course uh, what's wonderful about this book as we touched on is that there's just this diversity of approaching prayer because every person's a little different is going to need different promptings from the holy spirit but i did want to ask what's a good way to begin to open yourself to the holy spirit's direction in your life while in prayer and direction for your spiritual life well i love the vene creator spiritus prayer and before I even begin a prayer time with the Lord, I invite the Holy Spirit in. Because it is the Holy Spirit that prays within us, as we know. And um, I'm not able to pray, I, and I never pretend that I that I can. But the Holy Spirit, I want to give the Holy Spirit freedom to pray within me. And so I always simply invite the Holy Spirit. You know, come Holy Spirit and be with me in this prayer. And I also ask Our Lady, come and teach me how to pray, how to commune with the Lord. And really encounter the Lord, you know, because there was a time in my life when I um, went through prayer, you know, protocols, if you will, but it wasn't a heart to heart encounter. And I think that's what the book covers so beautifully about Mm -hmm. the prayer in which the heart really does encounter the heart of God. And, um, you know, in the book, the diversity that's there brings up the encounter with the Trinity, which I I really love the gift of the Trinity. And um, so, you know, you notice some have a 
refer in prayer to the Father or some to the Holy Spirit or some, you know, to Jesus. And so it's really beautiful um, that we have the Trinity um, in order to be in relationship with each person of the Trinity. And well, this conversation went by much faster than I thought it would. <laughs> But I would be remiss if I didn't ask this question. We strangely, and I delight in all of them, but we always have a nice grouping of non-Catholics who listen to this podcast who are always just kind of curious what we're up to, and this is a good way to hear different voices on it. But if someone's listening and they think, well, I don't even know how to pray, I didn't grow up in prayer, what can I do to start today to pray? I would say turn your heart toward the, mind and heart to the Lord, to God as you understand Him, to God as you understand Him, and say, teach me to pray. I, I wish to encounter you. I wish to encounter you. And he will he will respond. You know, if the desire, if the mind and the heart turns upward um, and uh, toward God as, as, as a person understands God, I'm, I'm speaking and referring to those who are non-Catholic, I really believe that the cry of the heart, human heart is heard by the Lord and, um, and he responds. He does not just leave us orphans. Um, he's already put that desire in our hearts before we even feel that. Yes, I agree. And now to our final question, if anyone wants to learn more about you and your wonderful, wonderful work, Kathleen, where can they go? Well, I would love if uh, listeners would visit www.foundationforpriests.org. That is the website for the Foundation of Prayer for Priests. And there's a lot of information um, on the new evangelization, on what is the priesthood, vocations, what is spiritual motherhood, uh, spiritual fatherhood, mm-hmm. and spiritual warfare. Um, in fact, on that website, I've posted all my interviews um, with uh, different exorcists and uh, articles that I've written on Catholic Exchange um, for spiritual warfare because, you know, the interior life, the, the our prayer life that we've been talking about is a battle. Mm-hmm. Catechism talks about prayer is a battle because we have an enemy that does not want us to pray. It is a nightmare for the evil one, for the evil spirits, when uh, we are going to encounter the Lord, and so He does everything to prevent us from from being in prayer. And that's why that's on that website. And then uh, my website is www.kathleenbeckman.com. And I will have all those links up at catholicexchange.com as well as links to Kathleen's past articles and books. So if you're listening to this and driving, please don't text and drive. Wait. Go to CatholicExchange.com. We'll have all those links for you. But Kathleen, thank you so much for coming on here, sharing your wisdom. There was a lot of great little gems in here that I know our listeners will love. Thank you so much, Michael. Keep up your good work. I appreciate it.